0: Sex Communication, a podcast of explicit audio and frank conversation. How do we talk about sex? How do we communicate during sex? Well, if you're here now, then you're going to find out. My name is Brianne McGuire, and each week I share an uncensored peek into the things we don't discuss. Sex. 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 I can't say the word sex. Sexy sex. Hello and welcome to episode 119. Today is the final episode in our five-show series with the Black Sex Worker Collective. Next week is the 22-hour fundraiser we've been promoting over the last month and a half, with benefits going to support sex workers affected by COVID-19. So please pick up some tickets to the events now if you have not already done so. Today's interview is with the founder of the Black Sex Worker Collective herself, Akinos. July 22nd is also Aquinos' 43rd birthday, hence the 22 hours of events and the $43,000 financial goal of the fundraiser. My guest has worked in the sex industry for nearly 30 years and has plenty of experience to share. In this episode, we discuss how and why she created the Black Sex Worker Collective in the first place, why she is personally celibate, and what we can expect from her appearances at the fundraiser, as well as future BSWC projects. All right, here we go. So, hi, Aquinos, How are you? Hi, Brianne. Can I call you that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Thanks for thanks for talking to me. Likewise. I'm, you know, excited that we finally got to do this because you are the reason for the, the previous four shows, you know, why we're talking about the Black Sex Worker Collective and the event on the 22nd and all of the things. Um, so, can you just tell me, you know, How did the Black Sex Worker Collective start? Um, It started in 2018 as a uh, response to
1: um, SESTA-FOSTA legislation and the disruption of the income that was going to happen to Black sex workers globally, which it did. So I created it to have a space for mutual care, um, mutual love, and respect. And are you yourself a sex worker? Um, I have worked in sex work um, for about maybe under just under 30 years or so, off and on. I'm not a sex worker now. I'm not engaging in that work right now. But, you know, you never know.
0: Yeah. So 30 years, well, it's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did you get started in sex work? Um, I started working in the strip clubs when I was about 17.
1: You know, when I was 17 and just kind of trying to make ends meet, you know, trying to trying to make money. Um, someone stopped me in a train station, and asked me if I was a if I was a dancer. And I said, yes. And they were like, oh, I take it. I can take you to this club where they're looking for dancers. And that's how it started. And I went to the club with this person.
0: Did you enjoy it?
1: Um, I did. I loved it very much very different, very eye-opening. Um, yeah, the strip club's a good time, you know, it has its ups and downs, like any other place that you either work at or visit frequently, but yeah,
0: I loved it. And what did you love about it? What was the appeal? The money, the flexibility,
1: the music, being around people, drinking, laughing, dancing, you know, I was
0: young, so yeah. And is that, you know, the kind of the extent of your experience with sex work is dancing and stripping, or it's kind of branched off from there um i've it's you know it's changed for different reasons family dynamics
1: uh physical ability emotional um emotional um emotional range whatever you know i could i could emotionally take on psychologically as well so it sometimes was dancing it sometimes was phone sex it sometimes was dumb work it sometimes was escorting work you know. It varied over the over the course of the years. Twenty, what well, it would be if it's not okay? So it's not thirty. So that twenty six years it
0: varied. And of all of the things that you've done, can you just talk about some highlights and also some challenges? The things that kind of stick out to you is the the peaks and troughs, if you will. Um, the thing that sticks
1: out most is about you know how uh, how everyone steals from sex workers in different ways and consumes us but also doesn't respect us enough to pay us what we're worth more than what we're worth and support us. That seems to be pretty much all across the board. There's always someone trying to steal time, trying to steal energy, stealing money, um, stealing our humanity. So definitely that. And then, you know, the the high points is, you know, when you're making money and thriving and how and being respected and how beautiful that is. Um yeah, when you're doing something that you love and providing the service and you're making moolah and everyone thinks that you're living this beautiful, glamorous, rich bitch life because everyone has this weird view of who they, how they think sex worker lives are. But in fact, you're just like living like a regular person.
0: Yeah. Do you think that because you're in sex work, do you I mean, do you look at yourself as a sexual person or is this just something that you do and it's not connected to um, maybe how you see yourself or how you feel? Um, Well, it really depends. I mean,
1: I I think everyone is a sexual person, but, um, you know, depends on what mood I'm in. Like right now, I'm pretty like celibate. So. Um, absolutely want to have nothing to do with the work if I have to be physically intimate with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even, even for any emotional psychological reasons, I'm just not there at all. Um, but you know, um, when I was working, uh, I don't know. i got to think about how I was feeling. Then it really depends on how I'm, my emotional state. And it's never the same this every day, some of the same every year. Um, you know, sometimes it was great because I was really um, had a high sex drive and it kind of, you know, fed two purposes. I'm able to get this intimacy with someone and also make money and keep my dignity at the end of the day. Mm. Um, and then, you know, other times, you know, it was like, I don't really want to do this. I don't feel like doing this, but this is work and, you know, I've got to do it. And then you've got now where I'm like, no, I won't have nothing to do with it because I just don't have the energy. My focus is just not there right now.
0: Right. There are a lot of factors that, you know, lead to the sex work as as an occupation being shamed and, you know, discriminated against and, you know, persecuted, et cetera. But do you feel that? Um, this, the shame around sex in general, do you feel that it plays into it? I think at the end of the day, outside of the sexual hangups of
1: too many people and cultures around the world, there's also a real um, hate for women who want to make money. And I know that women are not the only ones involved, but obviously if everyone's paying attention, women and trans women particularly are the ones that are always gonna get the shit about this. So I think there's a there's a lot of misogyny. And I think that humans are just egotistical. And they think that they know what's best for the next person instead of just minding their business. So a big problem within the industry is just the hate for women and the hate for them to have independence and be independent from men and not give men something that they think, or the patriarchy that they think that they are entitled to by, you know, like birthright. Mm -hmm. So, um, that, and yeah, people really just, you know, need to be a, a bit more sexual, sexually liberated. And that doesn't mean like they've got to be willing to go out there and do all kinds of things. I just feel like sexual liberation could also mean that you, you, you know, you decide I'm not having sex right now and I will not have it until I feel like I want to have it. You know, it doesn't mean that you necessarily, you know, are experimental and you'll try anything once your sexual liberation can just also mean i i'm it's fine not to do anything and be right. okay with that but also not thinking that how you live sexually is how everyone else should so right. a lot of people have these hang-ups you know it's all ego yeah
0: so looking at it now and and the struggles that are are in place i mean do you i don't want this to to be diminutive, you know, but we're it, maybe it's not, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not going to even <laughs> catch what I'm saying, but it's like sex work can be, you know, a service. I, I know I'm, I'm not saying like in a service, like, like anything that you're doing with there is a client is obviously something service-based, but I mean, as like for the greater good, you know, in terms of, you know, the people that are out there that maybe, you know, like with disabled people that need, um, caregivers to assist with masturbation and things like that, like sex work, um, you know, outside of the the mainstream can definitely like serve these greater good, uh, focuses. Does that something that plays into your experience at all? I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, yeah, it totally can be that I've worked with all kinds of clients
1: with different abilities. And I think when, folks think about sex work they don't they don't understand that there's there are some clients that you're not even going to be able to have physical interactions with but it's i also think it's okay for sex work not to serve a greater good and just for some people to just get a relief for that moment whatever that is and we move on i don't i would love for just the population at large to stop thinking like we're either angels or demons sometimes right. we're just sometimes we're just you know, so, yeah, I mean, I've I've done everything and there was one point like when I was first coming into it and really, you know, super happy about it. And I thought of myself as this healer and this this and this that. And that's fantastic. And some of us are. But sometimes it's not that deep. Sometimes we just some people just want to fuck and make money and that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's well, I mean, I was trying not to, to discount that side of it because I, I <laughs> it from all. Nearly everybody that I've spoken to, you know, outside of this collaboration and, and, you know, in the the bigger world, like that's always what they come down to is like, you know, the independence of it, the financial aspect of it and this, you know, ownership of body and experience and, you know, financial independence, all of those things. Um, Another thing I want to talk about, because you're in Berlin right now, right? Yeah, yeah. in Berlin. Mm -hmm. So going back to the idea, you know, of shame around sex in general kind of filtering into the perception and the treatment of, of sex workers. Do you, have you found in your experiences you've lived in different places that areas where people are more open about sex, that the treatment of sex workers is better in response to that? Or do you find that there's no correlation?
1: Um, I mean, where the, like the laws um support the industry you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's. you know, we, we have a lot, we have legal protection and there's a lot more freedom, like showing your face in advertisements and, you know, being able to take clients to court for theft or call the police or whatever, you know, so in that regard, it's, it's great, but misogyny is still real. So all the, the shit, even when it's like decriminalized or legalized or whatever, misogyny is still like you know, at the forefront and where there's that, and there's, you know, men able to get away with doing pretty much whatever they want, they, they're still going to be problems. You know, it's like any other industry where um, even if it's, even if it's acceptable work, misogyny is still there. That's not going to stop somebody from trying some shit, you know, and yeah. traumatizing people or, or what have you. And just, you know, so yeah. it's it, On the one hand, it's, you know, good for those legal things. But on the other hand, men are still men.
0: Yeah. So you live in Berlin now and you're you're from the States, correct? Yes. And I mean, have you like how many countries have you worked in this industry in? Oh, I can't say. <laughs> America. <laughs> I've only stripped in the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) So given the different places that you've lived and worked, how, how do they compare? Is Berlin the best of the bunch? Is it kind of pretty much the same? You know, does it matter where you are as far as how I'm living? Yeah. I mean, your how you feel about, you know, your security and your sense of, of uh, protection or not. I mean, like how, how is the quality of life in your industry? Um, um, so the quality of life
1: in Berlin, I find is a lot better. You know, um, Berlin reminds me of old New York, where, you know, there's cobblestones and nightclubs and sex clubs, and everyone's a little bit more free. Um, whereas New York has been kind of disnified up and cleaned up to appeal to I don't know some fucking weird ass American pie family. Um and Berlin is still kind of on that edge. So, you know, rent's a lot cheaper. You still hustle, but it's not the same hustle. You know, you're kind of hustling to pay 500 euro let's just say a month in like rent and bills whereas New York it's like you're hustling to pay (laughs) 4,000 you know so um as well you know like when the situation happened when like the COVID-19 thing hit and people were like going into these like shutdowns Berlin government stepped in really, really quickly. I mean, they still, you know, was doing some shady shit behind it at the end of the day, but they stepped in really quickly to support like sex workers as well as other freelance artists. Whereas the States just was like, you know, we don't give a fuck about you. They I mean, they're putting it on the application. Like if you've worked in the adult um, entertainment industry uh, industry that you, you can't even apply for money, which is like crazy yeah. because all these different freelance artists entrepreneurs contribute to the economy you know so we can put in but we can't take out if we need it which is just crazy to me so this whole landscape here is very different and you know even though even though you know things here the mentality of the people are different and the government seems to be a bit more progressive they're still trying to turn back the clock on sex work you know obviously men again these people I don't know why they didn't just put them in a bubble on an Island somewhere so they can just all <laughs> jerk themselves off, but they're trying to turn back the clock on it again. So, you know, there's that. So sex workers are always fighting because men are just like, God, I just need women to just jerk my dick for me for free. And then that be it. You know, they yeah. all want like the Tinder life. And um, you know, as, as, as women either get older or, we, we get closer to each other in the world, you know, we realize they're not worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you talk about what your ideal vision of the future is, you know, especially with the perspective of you've created this organization, you're working to help other people, like what, what is your end goal? And like, what do you want to see in the world? You know, uh-huh. kind of learn from all of this. Death to Facebook,
1: they're a racist, misogynistic machine, and I want the plug pulled on them. Um, a much better social media platform where we can connect with people and sex workers are not discriminated against. So there's that's the first goal. My first goal is to destroy Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> the second goal is to um, not only just have people have a broader um, idea of what sex and work is, and I say this all the time, but, you know, People think sex is all penetration. They don't understand intimacy, which is why a lot of people are fucking miserable. Um, They think work is whatever they want to think work is. They think energy can only be given out in one way. And it would be nice to have people reframe and rethink that. Um, and then lastly, I would love, I, I think, like, if that ha- starts happening, then we can also, um, start to really tackle these systems that exploit, um, the people that work in this industry. Um, and this goes for, like, banks not, not allowing sex workers to have bank accounts. Or stealing money, like closing down accounts and stealing money from sex workers if they find out that they work in the industry in any capacity. You know, it could be, it could be, I don't know, phone sex or burlesque dancing, and then they find that shit out, and then they're you know taking liberty at your um at your life and yeah. making decisions based on their you know their moral code. Um, so really being able to to um stop this extortion that's constantly happening within the in the industry. That's constantly happening within the industry. So from the strip clubs charging Women to work, charging dancers to work and putting them in debt, and um, these platforms that when they go mainstream, they build their backs, they build their their brand off the backs of sex workers, and then the moment they go mainstream, all of a sudden we can take a back seat. Our accounts are being closed out; we're being pushed out for various reasons, and just really that that whole exploitation extortion factor that happens within the industry to this, you know, industry that's predominantly held up by fem bodies. Mm-hmm. I that just needs to like come to a halt. People really organization not, yeah, people organizations um, and, and all these other legal entities need to be held responsible for what they're doing. You know, their people's livelihoods are at stake and you know it's okay to like pay big-time actors to play sex workers on TV, but it's not okay for sex workers to either get funding for their organizations or even, to, you know, to legally gather in places, to legally work in the same apartment. If you're an escort, even if you're not in the apartment at the same time working, if one's working a morning shift and one's working a night shift, that can get people's entire lives disrupted and jail and 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 fines. You know, so. Really trying to dismantle that extremely exploitative, discriminatory system.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. What was your your experience with sex like before? You know, you got into anything in the sex industry, like was it something that was a very open topic in your life i mean was your sex education robust was it something that wasn't spoken about that i mean just what was your experience with sex or your mindset about sex when you were kind of first coming to terms with it or first learning about it um well we had sex ed when i
1: was coming up in school um and i was sexualized quite early because i was so overdeveloped so young so a lot of things would happen um, to me, like by people, like mainly in my age group. Uh, you know that were just inappropriate, but you know we lived in a a whole other world at the time. You know, so when things were were happening, it was kind of my fault because I was this overdeveloped person, and why did I have all of these breasts, all of this ass at such an early age? So. Um, my experience with sex from early on was not very healthy. wasn't very good. It was um, really um, like if I go back and think about it, really kind of like traumatizing, you know? Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of defending myself to not be sexually violated, or you know, defending myself because some other girl thinks I'm too sexually expressive, even when I wasn't trying to be. Um, so yeah, my experiences were like that. It was, and and also, I'm also from the Caribbean. So, um, you know, it's a very sexual culture. We dress a certain way, we dance a certain way. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, kind of healthy, but then kind of fucked up at the same time. So I wasn't like hidden from it, but also exposed to it. When I didn't necessarily want to be.
0: Yeah. And do you, I mean, how would you describe yourself sexually now? Celibate. Okay. to <laughs> stay tight because I'm celibate for life. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> can you talk about why? Like, what? What is? What is that? about trash. <laughs> I am. I am. I am
1: attracted to toxic male energy, and you know, um, that's my. That's the. That is my sin. That is my curse. And, um, that's, that is the problem, you know, like dealing with this species. I mean, I used to be very sexually active at once. I was always, I think a guy I, I knew who was also, I discovered, i not discovered, but I finally realized after all these years of knowing him that he's a flaming misogynist, but he, he'd be like, you're having sex, you know, um, what he would say I'd have at least about 12 partners a year, or I'd be having sex 12 times. I forget. He did some crazy math, but I was having a lot of sex at one time. It was fun for some reasons. And some points I was really trying to connect with people and you can't connect with these creatures that way. Um, So I just finally got tired of being degraded and being dehumanized in the relationships I would try and have with males it wasn't working out. And I was like, this is bullshit. They're literally all of them are going to do this. And I'm not alone. I actually was on Twitter yesterday reading a crazy deep rant by feminista Jones, who was breaking down this very thing. And, you know, and then the 16 year old girl comes in and talk and says the same thing. And she's like, yeah, I think I'm already done. And she's 16. Yeah, she's 16, you know, and I don't like feeling discarded. So, my whole thing is unless I'm actually working and getting paid for giving them my energy, um there's really no need for me to be seeing them outside of that, so,
0: yeah, I'm kinda of done, and you really you think of this as like this is it going forward do you do you have? Wishes that it wasn't like this, that maybe you had healthier attractions or you just you just come to terms with this is how you feel. This is the state of things. And this is what your your plan is until, you know, you die there. This is kind of my plan until I die. But there is no
1: healthy attraction with them. I mean, I might know one point to women who actually are happy with their male partners. Like get even the ones that are happy eventually find out, Oh shit, this was a lie. Um, so for me right now, yeah, this is it for life. There's really no, there's no point, you know, unless, unless the system starts to change where men are being, men are held accountable for their actions and not being coddled. I mean, like, I don't know if you've been even paying attention to The uh, Jada Pinkett and August and Alcina fiasco that's happened. Like even in that shit, it's kind of like she like she's blamed Like they're trying so hard to make the playing field equal with men and women. And it just isn't. And somehow this 20 odd year old young man is like being infantilized. And I'm just not here for it, you know, so there's a lot of that in our culture, that really gives men a pass in way too many instances, like the August Alcina thing is like, uh, kind of something whole, a uh, whole other something. But the point is that they, they get too many passes, right? So when the system is already built like that to kind of allow them to have the freedom to abuse and what however that is, whether it's physically or emotionally, and not be held responsible even when you rape someone behind a dump truck and get out in three months, probably less I can't even remember um there's no respect for the feminine energy into the in the culture yeah. so. I mean, maybe somebody will come at some point, but I guarantee you, I already know I'm going to regret it. So why even put myself in that position? Like, mm, yeah, no. So yeah, you know, so for me, yeah, I'm and I'm quite okay with it. You know, I'm enjoying my plants, my freedom, and my happiness because my God, I'm so happy. I don't want to punch anybody in the face. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> By anybody, I mean a man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm taking it from, from this conversation that you identify as, like, strictly heterosexual. Oh, it's such an unfortunate
1: circumstance. I'm not really hetero. I mean, when I'm gay, I'm totally, like, the butchiest, most aggressive. But for the most part, I am um, like toxic male dick. Um, however, if Rihanna did ring my doorbell right now, it's all out the window,
0: <laughs> all out the fucking window. Yeah. So, but I mean, given that, are, are you trying to date women? Nope. No.
1: Nope. Nope. I don't want to date anyone. I mean, I love women. I think we're so beautiful. There's like several women I know in real life that I would totally devour, but no, I actually, nope, Don't Nope. nope.
0: I just want a dog (laughs) or a cat or both. And do you masturbate Stella or that's also off the table?
1: Oh my God. You know, I just masturbated for the first time in weeks. I think yesterday. Yeah. But I'm usually so busy that I don't even have the space for that. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I do and it's relentless and it's five times a day. And sometimes
0: it's just like, never. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I think like anything, like the more you're, like the energy begets the energy. So if you're doing a lot of something, like it's going, that momentum keeps it going. But if you're not doing something, then again, that momentum keeps (laughs) the inaction going. Okay. So can you tell me about like how we're going to see you at the event on the 22nd? Like, are you, I know you're, you have your own specific event and I'm sure you're going to be at the opening party but are there other panels you're participating in or other group things that we're we'll see you at so um yeah
1: so yeah the opening party which is you know me and uh a bartender friend from Brooklyn who's going to be there mixing up cocktails and we're going to be talking and people can just chat with me and Hopefully, we can get our DJ on DJ Peter Piper as well, who's also in Brooklyn to be playing some music, and just you know have people celebrate me and drop money in the tip bucket.
0: <laughs> Kidding! Uh, it's a fundraiser, but it's also a celebration for your birthday.
1: Yes, I decided, you know, I since I can't travel the world like the goddamn king I am, why <laughs> not just bring the world to me? <laughs> and raise money for the community so yeah it's my birthday july 22nd is my birthday and i'm just going to open it up with just some like maybe some films and casual conversation with the dj and the um and the the mixer and chef by the way. So I don't know what he's going to put on the menu. So we're just going to do that. And then at the closing event as well. So there's also going to be like a closing thing where we can all come together and folks can come with us and and talk to us and, you know, ask questions or maybe it'll just be the organizers in the room, just, Having a good time and, and, and that's it. So those are the only two parts of the event that I will be actually visibly in. And actually, in the opening party, the event that comes right after, which is, um, examining the psychosis of whiteness actually is a part of the opening event as well. Um, and it's going to be me and one of my mentors, uh, Javlin Richards, and we're going to sit down and have one of our discussions we have really long great discussions sometimes where some really profound things come up so we're going to sit there and have this discussion and invite people to come in and really kind of change the conversation around racism um you know we're not we're not there to you know to like have people vent and ask these ridiculous questions which um at like speaks about black people like they're some different kind of primate to understand we're just really there to kind of uh, create some dialogue which maybe will open open the minds of the people and yeah that's what we're hoping for so those are the those three events so to speak is mm-hmm. what i'm going to be a part of and then i'll you know i don't know be in my house i don't know getting drunk
0: <laughs> watching netflix yeah can you talk a bit about you know racism in your industry like why racism is such like a key factor in in this whole conversation this whole situation like tell me about your experience with it and 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 why this is like such a a big point that people should be more aware of if they're not already
1: well you know I, I always I always at least on my social media I'm always trying to make people be aware that racism and sexism are essentially the same things. Um, and where you have one, you probably have the other, uh, you know, there's like, there's so much history there that's like so hard to cover about, you know, why like black women bodies are not seen as desirable or black skin is not seen as desirable. and you know it's prevalent in our industry. You, you know th- this this whole sex industry is a race industry. Um, you see it in the way that um, advertisers put their information out there, the rates that they charge. You see it in how we're treated. You see it in how we're depicted as well in the larger scale media. Um, it's. It's all over the sex industry, the burlesque industry, all of it is a microcosm of what's really happening in the world. So if you want to really get an idea of how fucked up the world is, you know, you can just like talk to a sex worker, talk to a burlesque dancer and be like, so tell me, how petty is it this week? And then we'll tell you and then you'll be like, "Okay, so so this is what's happening in the greater world. Thank you for your gift. And here's a hundred dollar tip. Um, it's a really like just fucked up racial divide where we can't charge the same money. We can't get away with mediocrity as black people, as black bodies, um, black women, black trans workers, unless you've got a, a certain kind of look that fits into this mainstream ideal, there's just a lot of shit that we're not getting away with. Um, we've got to work twice as hard, um, and again, this goes, same thing with black people, just, you know, just living in the broader world. It's like working twice as hard to get half the money, Yeah, you know, so not even half the money. I'm lucky I get half. I mean, I I demand the same rates now, but at least the last time I worked, but believe me, that comes with a price. And sometimes that price is not getting anybody for a long time before somebody's finding like, okay, let me give it to her.
0: Hmm. Do you ever experience kind of like a different side of it where you feel exploited for who you are? I mean, specifically because of your race that that's ever something that like somebody seeks you out because they're looking for a black dancer specifically, you know, or like in, in any other different way where it becomes something, you know, like that somebody's saying, well, this is my preference, or this is my whatever. And, you know, like they want to, apply this positive spin to it but it's really just racism in a kind of different way yeah
1: yeah i experienced that with a client and his uh, white wife three years ago the client now is dead um she was an old man um but yeah it was like you know i'm gonna i i want to have you to help my husband heal and in fact, that really was not what she wanted. What she really wanted was for my, my Black body to be um, just kind of used as a vessel to have her husband be turned on to her, which would have been fine had she told me. But at the end of it, I felt so used and so easily discarded and disrespected at the end of the day because, you know, it was one minute it was like, oh, I'm so beautiful and, um, you know, you can... You can heal my husband and basically help him because he had prostate cancer. He was a prostate cancer survivor. You can heal my husband and and help this marriage. He's, you know, not really functioning right. You know, I'm thinking but I met this person that really she was the one that needed to work. But she wanted to focus on her husband. And this brings us back to, you know, what we do to these men. They're just never responsible for their own shit. Um, But anyway, to make a long story short um my body was you know used by her in a way that i did not agree to um and when she saw that what she kind of wanted which was for her husband to be turned on was working and that he actually liked me then all the whorephobia came out all of a sudden it was like comments about like i probably have um you know all kinds of stis stds um among really other like just really uh, racist and discriminatory, dwarf shit that was coming to the forefront. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely does happen. Cause you know, everyone thinks they like a sex worker until they find out that we're people. And yes, your husbands actually might become really attracted to us because guess what? We're actually people.
0: Yeah. I get it. So is there anything else that you, you want to touch on? Any points that you, you want to make sure are, shared and, you know, things that you want to bring awareness to that maybe we didn't cover or touch on at all?
1: Um, you know, the only thing I want to just keep pushing that message is that, you know, we deserve to earn a living. We don't need to be earning a living because we're saving the world or because we want to buy food and pay rent. Sometimes we deserve to earn a living because we want to have our shelf stacked with alcohol and ramen noodles, you know, we wanna go buy nice things. I saw um, I forget which group it was that was doing a fundraiser to help one of their trans leaders buyer, I think a Benz, you know, and I was like, absolutely right. Like you know, we can't keep trying to raise money, you know, when we feel like people are victimized or people are in a really bad spot. What we should be really focused on is how to keep like organizations and people as individuals going. um, And so they don't ever get into that bad spot. You know, human um, psyche seems to have this, this desire that they need to see people falling flat on their face before they even help them, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So I just feel like there needs to be a lot more conversation about just holding us up so we don't get into those situations ever. Like there's no reason for us, the community, we should all be supporting each other. And if there is extra money to give, give it to these sex worker organizations, because a lot of them on a global scale from here to India to South Africa right now, we do not get funding. A lot of, you know, a lot of, um, Organizations, black led organizations raised a lot of money about what thing 95 million with the current, with the last Black Lives Matter uprising. Uh, But sex worker led organizations, you know, we still kind of like left out into the dust and especially when we are black led. So nobody's really thinking about us because they don't think that we're important, which is interesting because we still contribute a lot to the economy. We're still taking care of our children. We're still taking care of our household, whether or not people like the work that we do. So you know, I would love for people to kind of really just get over themselves, lose that ego and just give your money to sex worker, you know, in trans led spaces and, you know, keep us going, keep us being able to not only keep our lights on, but God damn it, I want me a really expensive bottle of champagne. <laughs>
0: that's such a good point, though, about, you know, like, why do we need to see people be at their lowest to be already failing in order to help them? That's, that's just absurd. Yeah, that's how that's how the that's how humans are. They like, well,
1: I'll just I'll just wait for you to get you know trafficked and have the perfect story for me to want to give. But while you're there trying to just make it, no, I'm not. I, I'm not going to help
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me I I just as a as a last point so what can what can we expect from the Black Sex Worker Collective after the fundraiser? Do you have other things in the works? Is there, you know, do you have a plan for the the rest of 2020 or anything we should be looking forward to? Yeah, the next step is to take
1: down Zuckerberg. No, I'm kidding. I really can't stand him. No, the next step is really to um Really tackle this banking system, as I was saying earlier, tackle that banking system and that big exploitation system um, and discriminatory business practices that keep sex workers from making money, keeping their bank accounts, opening bank accounts, being able to support their families, things like that. So um, it's going to be a monster job and it's not going to be something that we're we're just going to be able to tackle in three months. It's going to be an ongoing project, but, you know, that's going to kind of be our underlying goal for a long time, really taking to task these spaces like down to PayPal, even that will close out your damn account if they find out that you know you're escorting. Um, and I'm just not here for it, you know. I want us to have access to money. I want us to have access to care for our families. So we're going to be doing a whole lot of work around that, and as well as also trying to make the um, comparison um for with sex work compared to other forms of work that people just love to pay for, like, you know, seeing actors and actresses get fucked on TV for millions of dollars, but then looking at a whore or a stripper and being like, nah, that's not gonna work. You're a you're a dirty person. So I really want to examine and explore that um hypocrisy of the human mind and hopefully get us some more visibility and support in the process.
0: Gotcha. Well, thank you, Aquino, so much for for speaking with me. I really appreciate you making the time to have this conversation. And thank you for the work that you're doing for creating this organization, the fundraiser, and you know, these plans you have going forward. I wish you all the best. Thank you. This was a great conversation. I'm glad I did it. Great. All right. Thank you. Okay, that's our show for today. Remember, you can catch up on this series and all of our episodes at sexcompod.com. And as always, in the episode notes, you can find more information about the event that we keep talking about, uh, as well as more information about our guests. So that means links to the Eventbrite page, the Black Sex Worker Collective, and more information about Akinos. Thank you for being with me here today, and I will talk to you next week. Be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the show, visit us online at sexcompod.com. That's S-E-X-C-O-M-P-O-D.com. If you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at sexcompod at gmail.com. I am always looking for new sex audio and people to interview. It could be you.